Good morning, everyone. The idea that I think God wants to share with us by his spirit today from scripture is one of those ideas that I have so much confidence in. I think that if, if by the power of the Holy Spirit we were to ask God to change our mindset in this one area, it would truly, truly transform our lives. John the Baptist says when Jesus is coming, or before Jesus comes, he says to the people, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. You know, it's this idea of when, when you make a path in your life that's, that's, that's right, God can land in a very powerful way. And this idea is one of those ways, I think, where God can do a lot by his spirit when we put this idea into practice. I'm going to start with uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. This is a discussion about what you can eat and what you can't eat when you're, when you're uh, coming out of Judaism into Christianity. That's about believers' freedom in Christ. But he concludes this teaching saying, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble. Do not, do not, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. For the glory of God, giving thanks to God the Father um, as, we, as we receive. And um, it's funny, that wasn't the exact quote I was looking for. <laughs> but, listen, this idea of like, it's this overarching idea that everything we are to do to eat, not to eat, every relationship, we are supposed to do everything with thanksgiving to the glory of God. Giving thanks to God through Jesus Christ in all things. This idea of thanksgiving is extremely powerful. Extremely powerful, extremely potent. It's all through scripture. The word doesn't appear in the one I just read that I was reminded of in worship, uh, at least not in that translation but it does appear um, in many other places in the Bible. And I'm convinced that if we, if we put our whole life through this lens of thanksgiving, it would transform us. A few years ago, um, maybe, maybe like five years ago, uh, I was having a hard time <clears throat> in my devotional life with God. The things I normally did to draw near to God dried up. It felt, it felt like reading the Bible was not, not making me feel connected. Prayer, all the th- normal things I would do were not really working. So I talked to a friend of mine, and he said, you know, as I prayed for you on this, I think that God is saying to exercise the discipline of thanksgiving. That sounds like fun, discipline of thanksgiving. Exercise thanksgiving. He says, thanksgiving is like an elevator for your soul. It can bring you from like the basement on the cold earth and lift you up as you begin to think about your whole life through this lens of thanksgiving. And he was right. It actually did change where I was at. And as I began to give thanks to God for even the silliest things all day long, well, there's nothing silly. That is a stupid thing to say. Give thanks to God for, for everything, because it makes sense, because everything comes from God, right? It's not silly. Um, God will begin to do a work in your life, and he did. And I remember this, this uh, time when I was at Stewart's, and they had the caramel coffee on tap at Stewart's. 
I really like the caramel coffee. And I, get, I just said to God, thank you that this is like on tap. I love this flavor. And I'm not even kidding you. Something about just cutting that little shaft of Thanksgiving as I'm buying this silly cup of coffee just made me feel so close to God. It actually translated into, God, you love me so much. And every time I go to Stewart's and see that caramel coffee, I, feel, I remember that. It sounds silly, but it's not silly. Everything, everything comes from God. Every good and perfect gift. The scripture that I, I uh, what am sharing with you from uh, the scripture for this sermon is Philippians 1, 3-6. And this is a passage that talks about thanksgiving in the context of when we think about other people, specifically. So it's a certain kind of thanksgiving, but know that this concept of thanksgiving is everywhere in the scripture, especially the New Testament. Um, so Philippians 1, 3-6, it says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I'll go on. It says, it is right for me to feel this way about you, all of you, since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I give thanks to my God every time I remember you. How would this change your life if every time you remembered a person from church, a brother or sister in Christ, you gave thanks to God for them? You just, meant to, you just kind of meaningfully said, God, I thank you for this person. Maybe you call to mind some of the ways God's wired them or something that they, have, they do in the body of Christ that just really uh, means a lot to you. Well, how would that change our lives? This word for, for thank, when it says, I thank my God every time I remember you, is a word that might sound familiar in the Greek. It's Eucharisteo. Eucharist. The Lord, that's what, what the, traditionally the Lord's Supper has been called. It's, it's the word that is translated to thanksgiving in our Bibles. And it simply means to be grateful, to feel thankful. So to be grateful, to feel thankful, is the definition of that word. Paul is saying, I, I am so grateful every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I'm so thankful. I thank my God every time I remember you. Paul had this heart of thankfulness and also confidence in the love of God for the people that he was praying for, uh, which we can see in the end where it says that he who began the good work in you is going to complete it. So his thankfulness for people wasn't always based on their track record or what they'd done. Part of Paul's thankfulness for people was the fact that he knew God so well, and he, and he knew that God uh, would not give up on the work that he begins in people. And so part of Paul's thankfulness has to do with thinking about the person warmly and thanking God for them. But the second piece of it is this piece of faith where he says, I know who God is, and I'm confident that he is going to do an amazing thing in your life. And that's the spirit in which he prayed for other people and thought about other people in the church. Again, you know, how much would it change us if we began to thank God for the people in our church, in our life, our brothers and sisters in Christ? Thank God for them, not just for who they are, for what they do, 
or their partnership in the gospel or whatever that might be, but give thanks because we can see with eyes of faith that their God, the one that, we, that is also working with us, uh, is going to do, finish the work he began in them. It's only a question of how that's going to look. That's an amazing confidence, an amazing spirit to bring into prayer. As far as gratefulness and thanksgiving, you know, a lot of our time and energy is spent pursuing things, pursuing relationships and experiences that we do not currently have, right? That's kind of this, uh, this, this thing we have in us, that we, we envision life a certain way, we envision our relationships a certain way, our, our jobs a certain way, our church a certain way, our marriage a certain way, our relationship with our kids a certain way. And we long for it to be different than it is. We're discontent. And much of our time and energy is spent trying to get to the image that we have in our mind, right? It burns a lot of energy in our personal lives. It burns a lot of energy in our, in our prayer lives. Um, and it causes us sometimes to miss out on what is right before us that God's given to us. It does. And that simple perspective shift of being giving thanks for all the things that God's put in your life, including the people, um, can be a way to live inside the blessing that God's already given you. And it's a way to be responsible with the little that God's given you, knowing that he is going to finish the work and there's going to be more coming down the road. So biblical thanksgiving and gratitude in all things, in our relationships, it reverses our internal priorities that we naturally have in, our, in ourselves, where we long for what we don't have. Um, and it causes us to appreciate the relationships, the things, the environment. In that passage, it was food, right? The food that we eat, our, our work, our church, our family, our friends. It causes us to treasure and appreciate what we do have. And then, in, in, so, in, so, in so looking at those things differently, we derive the blessing that God intends to give us through those things. Here's the thing about God. If he wanted you to have a different life, than you have now, you know, you'd have a different life than you have now. Um, and like, if God wanted you to have a different spouse, or different kids, or a different job, or a different um, amount of money in your bank account, a different church, a different small group, a different pastor, <laughs> hey, no holes barred, baby. If God wanted you to have those things right now, you'd have them. But God has you where you're at. And God uh, wants us to receive with thanksgiving what we have, even though it might not match up with our, our great dream for ourselves. That's part of what it means for Jesus to be the Lord. We surrender to the Lord and we say, Lord, I give thanks in all things, even in tough things, even in, even in my longings. I, I don't want to miss out on the blessings you've given me. And we often miss out on God's actual provision in our lives because we're, not, uh, we're out looking for our desired provision while all the time God's provision is sitting at home waiting for us, you know? Part of thanksgiving is believing that God is good and that God takes care of our needs and that God is our provider. Part of Thanksgiving is receiving what you have with, with joy, knowing that comes from God, and, and having that be your starting point. 
But we often are, pretty, are very much one foot in, one foot out of our lives because the things that uh, are not lining up with our vision, you know, we, we're like, oh, we want something different. Oh, and we stretch over. This lack of kind of contentedness. I, 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 love, I love to read... Uh, to read Paul, like the passage in 1 Corinthians 10, because he's writing from a, prison, from a prison cell. doesn't necessarily have hope of being released. And while he's sitting there, he's thinking it with thanksgiving about the people that he loves as he remembers who they are. You know, I'm sure that he had an alternative vision for his life that didn't involve being in a jail cell. It was worse. It was worse in jail for the most part uh, back then than it is today. But Paul had learned how to give thanks in all things. And even though he was in jail cell, he didn't have one foot in, one foot out. He just, if you read these narratives when he was in prison, uh, he sat, he gave thanks, he prayed, he worshiped. And uh, some of the guards came to, came to Christ through that. But Paul had learned, you know, to, to be content in all things, to even to give thanks in adverse circumstances. And I think that's, a, that's something that was very powerful in his life, something the Spirit applied uh, to him. This lack of contentedness, this lack of thanksgiving and gratefulness in life, um, it applies to our um, relationships, all of our relationships, our home life, whatever that might be, our work, our church. I am constantly working at this area of gratefulness and thanksgiving in my life. Because we all have these fantasies about, about, about life um, and we wouldn't want the table to be flipped on these things, but here's the kind of fantasies we have. When my, when my kids aren't listening to me and they're not doing what I want them to do or whatever, or, or driving my poor wife crazy somehow by not listening, I have a fantasy of sending my kids away to a place where, <laughs> where, where they don't have uh, much and the, ch- and the children are all expected to work very hard, you know, from four to, you know, if they, if they could just be in that place for like a couple days or a week or a couple months, a couple years. <laughs> Think of how grateful they'd be to their benefactor, you know, that'd be awesome. These are the kind of fantasies we have. And most of the fantasies we have are a result of seeing ourselves as greater than we are. <laughs> So, just so you know, these usually are not pointed inwardly. We have fantasies about going back to a time when we had less responsibilities. You know, before we had to buy cars, fix cars, work jobs. What, what were we doing with all of our time in college? And, you know, what were we doing? What were we thinking? What were we doing when we were in our bedrooms growing up? Like, I'd give, you know, a finger, one of my less important fingers, to get back to that place where there's no responsibilities and it's just relaxing and you can sit around. Um, but then I remember, back then, I was fantasizing about getting out of my parents' house and getting married and getting a job. You know, I didn't really enjoy that time. I was like, I need to get out of here and start paying my rent, buying my own groceries and not having my mom cook for me. And we all like to go back to that time, but at that time, truly, we were not content then either. We have all kinds of crazy fantasies about, you know, if, if they only realized how good they had it with me, my spouse, you know, if they just go with some horrible person for a while and come back to me, that'd be, you know, stupid stuff. That's all based in us having one foot in and one foot out of life. 
And so, you know, when you're doing the hokey pokey, you look really bad. It's weird. Um, I think it's better to stand in the life that God's given you and give thanks to God for it. Uh, Jesus, I love the story of him breaking the bread. Because here it is, Thanksgiving again. He, he took the few loaves and the few fish. He looked up to heaven and gave thanks. Then he broke it. And there was more than enough for, for 10,000 people, if you include women and children. You know, Jesus didn't have his foot in where's the closest restaurant or catering service. Um, he, he, he gave thanks for what he had, and he broke it. And God provided. These fantasies, you know, can be, can be ugly. I wonder what fantasies people have about me. If they only sent him to this place, and then he came back, he'd be so grateful for what he has. Right? I, don't, I don't know what kind of things people think. Um, but these kind of fantasies are in every human heart. Yours too, probably. Probably with just different names and categories. And it robs us of the joy that we have in what God has given us currently. It keeps us from appreciating it. Philippians 4.12, just a little after our passage from Philippians 1. I'll do 10 to 13. Paul's giving thanks for the gifts that people have given him. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Paul in jail, right? I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. There's something so beautiful and so otherworldly about a contented soul like we read about in Paul here. Um, Paul says he's learned to be the secret of being content in every situation. The Greek word for content is chortazo, which sounds like chorizo, which makes me feel content. Um, <laughs> But the word literally means uh, to fulfill or satisfy the desire that I have. Paul learned to fulfill the desires both in his physical hunger and in his lack of community and resources in that jail cell. The secret was that he could do all things through God to give some strength. And you notice this passage starts with thanksgiving. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. He's rejoicing in the Lord and he's not fantasizing about chorizo or anything. He's learned, hey, it's nice to have plenty. It's, better, it's probably better than not having much. But, you know, I've had both. And I've found the secret of contentedness. I can do all things through the one who gives me strength as I rejoice in him. I'm pretty convinced that none of our fantasies about how to make our lives better would actually improve them, you know? Any of the crazy things we imagine in our heads, it wouldn't, it wouldn't fix our marriages or fix our relationships with friends or, or kids or our church or our jobs. The secret of contentedness is not in those human fixes, but it's in surrendering to the one who is your provider, who's given you all things that you have, and giving thanks to him. Even in suffering, uh, which is a sermon for another time, but <laughs> um, rejoice in suffering 
patient in afflictions. There's a study at UC Berkeley. Um, and this is just an amazing thing. Uh, th- there's a study done on depressed people. So they've done lots of studies on people that don't suffer with any kind of emotional or mental illnesses. And they found with, 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 a, with someone that doesn't have any of those struggles that um, giving thanks, the people who consciously count their blessings on a daily basis, uh, that, that those people, it lifts their spirits. It lifts them up like an elevator. But this study that I read from UC Berkeley was among depressed people um, who were perhaps, perhaps being, being medicated or, or seeking treatment in some ways, which is all good stuff. But they found that with this group, that giving thanks for them also raised them up. Because it's this principle that God's built into the fabric of creation. It's this thing that I'm so confident in because it's something that is seen both in nature, which reflects God, and also in, in our science and scientific research. Um, gratitude works. And the study from UC Berkeley says that gratitude, the respondents uh, began to write letters. of this, this is like Paul, who's thinking of people and saying, I give thanks to God whenever I think of you. They wrote letters to all the people in their lives expressing what they were thankful for in those people. And, uh, and they found, number one, that gratitude unshackles you from toxic emotions. This letter writing produced better mental health in all of their patients by shifting a person's attention away from toxic emotions such as resentment and envy. This is a study from Berkeley. Those are in the Bible too, right? right? In the lists of sins. When you write about how grateful you are to others and how much people have blessed your life, it might become considerably harder to ruminate on negative experiences. This is from UC Berkeley. It says, the second finding was, gratitude helps even if they didn't send the letters. It changed them. Um, and they were, none of the respondents were required to send the letters. Only 27% of the people did send the letters. So, and the third finding was that gratitude takes time. The benefits take time. Uh, after one week, there wasn't any results. But after three weeks, there was a lot of results. After 12 weeks, there was tons and tons of results. It actually changed people's lives to be grateful. And they found that through, through different scans that gratitude has a lasting effect on the brain. The brains began to light up differently when they were analyzing the brain structures as people practiced giving thanks. It's amazing stuff to see when when a study like that uh, confirms something that we believe. And Paul, he says, I thank God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Not only is he giving thanks like the people in this study for, for who they are and what they've done, He's giving thanks because he knows the God who is their God who's going to finish the work he started. An amazing thing. Gratitude and thankfulness can unshackle us from many of our sinful tendencies. I'm just kind of paraphrasing the UC Berkeley study and saying, you know, the list of sins in the Bible, they, they, in the study they talked about envy and resentment among people who are not necessarily Christian, but in the Bible there's lists they say things like enmity, Galatians 5, strife, 
jealousy, fits of, ra- of anger, rage, rivalry, dissension, divisions, envy, impurity, grumbling, and disputing. These are lists in the Bible. And gratitude and thankfulness can unshackle us from those, those relational sin problems we deal with. Because it causes us to, to give thanks for other people, to believe the work of God in other people's lives, even if we don't necessarily see it through eyes of faith. And so doing unshackles us from some of those ugly things that we do with other people. Right? It's an amazing thing with Thanksgiving. I found this passage in Nehemiah 12, 8 and 9. There was one worship leader that his whole job was to make sure there was Thanksgiving happening. Right? The Levites were Jehua, Benai, Kadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and also Mataniah, who together with his associates was in charge of the songs of Thanksgiving. That was their whole job. Because God knows that without Thanksgiving and gratefulness, we can't really love him well, worship him, be successful. Being confident of this, that he who began a work in you will carry it to completion till the day of Christ Jesus. If we, to think about this being fuel for the fire, this Thanksgiving thing being fuel for the, our faith fire, if we begrudgingly pray for, pray for people who we do not really love or really believe God could possibly be working in, then our love grows cold. And we've all been there and we've all had to repent from that at different times. Because when we cease to believe God is working in someone's life, we then become a person that's lost our thanksgiving for that person. We're like, they're hopeless. They're nothing but a a bother to me. We're not confident that the one who began the work in someone's life is going to finish it. I was trying to reimagine this week how Paul's prayer would sound if he lacked faith in God's work in a person or in a church's life. So this is what I came up with. I try to thank my God every time I'm frustrated with you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with frustration because of how you are not meeting my expectations in the gospel from practically the first day until this moment. Furthermore, I really lack confidence that he who began a good work in you will carry it out uh, until the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, look at you. Are you even trying anymore? And that's uh, hate Philippians 1, 3 to 6. That I wrote. But we can, this, can, this can grow in us, right? No, Paul says he remembers the church people with many prayers, always at all times. He prays with great confidence about what God will do in their lives because he has faith in God's work, even if not necessarily in everybody's particular whatever. And he relinquishes that work back to God in prayer and confidence. I think that's a faith that can move mountains. You might actually become a part of that person's growth as you assume this kind of attitude in prayer. So this week, you know, I, I really think that taking a page from this study is good. I'd say start writing letters to people, to, 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 uh, to, your, to your job, to your, to your spouse, uh, to your children. You don't have to send them. But start writing down in a notebook. Um, and put Philippians 1, 3 to 6 at the top. Just start writing down all the ways that you're thankful for that person. And I think that whether you are depressed or whether you are not depressed, whether you are, you no, know, whatever your circumstance is, that is, in the Lord, that's something that's going to move your faith up. That's something that's going to open you up to other people. It's something that can unshackle you from some of those relational sins we fall into that we talked about earlier. Uh, just giving thanks and believing the work of God in a person's life. And I'm not saying send the letter, but 
maybe you could encourage that person. Say, this is what I see God doing in you. This is so cool. And, uh, and I believe God's going God's to finish the work he started in you. Giving, lending people some confidence in God. You know, not everyone is confident in God. They might be Christians, but they don't really believe that God is at work or doing anything. And you can lend confidence to people, your confidence in God's work in their life. And as they see God do that work, they can grow in confidence, and then they can pass it to someone else. You know, this is good stuff. So I, I think both theologically and, and scientifically, you know, this is going to be very helpful to us. And, I'm, and so uh, this week, begin to write down the things you are thankful for. And uh, I think that we, I think, it's, I think it can be surprising what comes out as we really empty uh, before God a thanksgiving we have for all the people and things in our lives. Um, sometimes the best treatment is prevention, right? Sometimes with sin, you know, you get into a sin pattern, it's hard to bust out of it. But if you, what if, that, what if I told you there was a way to treat your, your flesh, your, yourself, so that you'd be less likely to become the kind of person the scripture says is not doing so well? You know, move away from anger, from envy, from rage, from malice, from, from uh, all of these things, just by giving thanks, you know? So in that spirit, I just thought I'd start. Some of you are newer to the church and, um, and don't necessarily know all the people that are here and who, who make up the leadership of the church. But this week, I, I really focused on how thankful I really am for the people that volunteer and lead in this church. And this week, I wanted to, to tell you how th- thankful I am for the elder couples and for the staff of New Life Fellowship. This is uh, maybe embarrassing, I don't know. <laughs> Jason and Julie Harmon, um, they're a pastoral elder couple in our church that work alongside uh, me and Jackie. And they, are, they do so much to serve the body, um, from leading a small group to leading worship to, help, to praying with myself and the other elders in leadership about vision and direction in the church and just humbly seeking the Lord together. Um, and I, and I am, I'm so thankful for them. Um, next we have Corey and Ashley Prothero. Again, a couple who, uh, who leads a small group in the church. Corey is a pastor on staff at the church who has created the, the outreach team who puts on, uh, who has helped to spearhead all of our outreaches, who has trained up worship team members and, and worked in our music. Um, really someone that I'm profoundly thankful for every week. And then finally, the, the final elder couple at, the, at this point is Nathan and Jackie Detweiler. <laughs> and I just, I'm, I'm really thankful for Nathan because <laughs> I'm trying to give you some ideas for your thankfulness journal. Now, I, I put that up, it seems silly, but I, I guess I just want to express how thankful I am for my wife. Um, she is someone who has amazing administrative planning, long-range thinking through things skills I don't have. I sit down with her and talk about things, and it's amazing what comes out. She's able to draw out for me the things that are in my heart that I can't quite verbalize or get in order. And what a gift that is to have, to have her in my life. Um, the elders' wives are also all, all three of them, um, in charge of our benevolence ministry, meaning that they steward and take care of the fund that we use to to pay people's rent in the community, to help people who need, who need a hand up. 
Um, and and they, they go over that and pray over each of those things to the Lord and ask him for his blessing and his help in administering that, that fund. Um, Jen Veach, our Director of Family Ministries, um, got much more than I could have ever expected over the years of working with Jen. Not only does she lead our, our uh, children's ministry, which is called Faith Finders, but she, she and Greg lead our youth group. She, she um, went to Reverb, which was an all-night event with the youth over this past weekend. I mean, it's a big deal when you're, when you're not like a teenager and you stay up all night. It ruins your life for months. Um, but she did that, along, I believe, with Rick Zielinski came in and helped with that as well. And uh, several children gave their lives to the Lord on that weekend. And she will follow up with them, and she will plug them in. She, she, they have a beautiful uh, youth program and all kinds of amazing things. And Jen is also someone that's a co-conspirator in so many of the things that I'm trying to think through in the office, just having her around. It's a huge blessing. Uh, this is someone who's not allowed to ever leave the church or leave... Uh, <laughs> this is Carrie Williams. This is uh, our office manager. I've given her lots of titles, um, but they're all more impressive than office manager. In my, in my heart, she has many more amazing... It just doesn't sum it up. But she thinks of everything. She, she, she goes after me for the things that she knows I want to do but haven't gotten done yet, which I really appreciate. Um, like, oh, you, didn't, you said you were going to have this this day. Is that, is that still happening? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. She helps me. And she never makes me feel like I made a mistake or forgot something. Which is what some people do. So, anyway, um, appreciate that. Um, I also appreciate that, that these people in the office, uh, and Corey, of course, is in the office as well, are all compassionate ministers. So sometimes our staff meeting starts a little bit late. What's the answer? Well, Carrie got praying with someone in the lobby. Corey's praying with someone over here. Jen, Jen is meeting with somebody and has to pick them up because they're ministering, you know? It's, it's like a really cool team on the staff of the church. So that's, that's the, the elder couples, the office staff. And then we have um, Greg Chandler is the head of our admin board, and he works along with Jeff Perkins, with Sue Gordon, and Bert Rowert. Uh, and they, what they have done is they, they oversee the finances, and the fruit of that came from our annual meeting this past week when we, the elders, it used to be the elders had to figure out the budget and do all this different stuff, and it was all kind of on the elders. And so sometimes we would think, man, we're not talking about shepherding as much as we need to be, according to what the Bible teaches. So we put this admin board together. They've taken all of that financial stuff, that research that is so important so that we can steward our money and our facility well. And they've taken that off the hands of the elders so that, uh, so that we can focus on shepherding the souls of the church. And I, I, I can't believe how smooth and ever smooth leading this church has become with these people capable people serving on the administration board. So these are some of the things I'm thankful for that I really wanted to share from my heart. And this is meant to tell you who are the people that are, are working in the office or, 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 or shepherds of the church. Um, I want you to know who these people are and what they mean to me and what they're doing, because I'm thankful for them. And I thank my God every time I think about them. So um, I'm going to be sharing some more people and things I'm thankful for in the coming weeks as we go through this time of Thanksgiving. You're aware Thanksgiving is coming. I really want to encourage you in the strongest way I can is to um, grab that journal, write down that verse, and begin to think about people and giving thanks for them. And you will be surprised. You will be surprised what God can do in your heart as you become a thankful person.
with both feet in, loving people well. Heavenly Father, we are thankful. We are thankful people. Thankful for this beautiful, warm building, for this music, for this time of fellowship and connecting with you, for your word. Ultimately, Lord, for your Son, from, from whom and through whom flow all blessings. Every channel of blessing comes 